Good evening, everyone. If you wouldn't mind turning to Acts chapter 17, we'll start there. A little bit of a, a Bible study tonight on the topic of breath. And um, just amazing how much this appears in the scriptures, as we'll see. Breath, breath, wind, spirit. Okay, Acts 17. Paul the Apostle, he's in Athens and he's kicking his feet there, kicking his heels, just waiting for, for the others to arrive and he gets a little bit stirred up when he sees how pagan they are there. And uh, so he can't help himself. He goes and stands in the, it says, in the midst of Mars Hill and uh, starts speaking. It's like he's on his soapbox there in Athens. And he says, you know, you, you are worshipping things that you don't know. You're superstitious. Let me tell you about God, uh, the true and living God. And in verse uh, 25, well, let's read 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Because, of course, if you remember the ancient Greeks, they had all sorts of lovely temples and, um, uh, and many gods, a pantheon of gods. Uh, he says he's not like that. Verse 25, Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing, if, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. As if he needed, you know, people to build these lovely temples with Corinthian columns and, you know, uh, the, the marvelous ancient Greek architecture to worship him because he actually made you. He gave you breath. Uh, he gives life to everything and all things. And he goes on, it is made of one blood, all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So, you know, he's not far away, he's around, but, you know, it's, it's up to, to man, as it were, to seek the Lord, uh, if haply they might feel after him, and if they have a desire to seek him, but uh, he's very close. And verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being. We'll just leave it there. Uh, very poetic. In him we live and move and have our being. It's, it's God, the true and living God, that uh, gave um, life and breath and uh, thinking and wisdom and all of these things to man. And, and another place it says, man in his wisdom knew not God. He decided he was so wise that he did he was going to distance himself from God. But just what I wanted to pick out from this passage particularly was in verse 25, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And just pick up this theme of breath because it does run right through the scriptures from the very, very beginning. And so we'll go back to Genesis chapter 2 to begin with. No, no let's go to chapter 1. Since we're in the neighborhood, we're going to chapter 1 and chapter 2. And very famous opening scripture, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And here we have this, uh, this earth 
without any form as yet. And if we read the rest of the chapter, we read about the the order of creation. And um, it talks about six days, but we don't believe that they're six literal 24-hour periods, but the, the Hebrew word yom meaning a period of time. And we don't know how long those periods of time were. But anyway, that's another subject. Uh, what I wanted here was the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And that word spirit in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word ruach, which means wind, breath, and spirit. And everywhere you see the word wind in the Old Testament, it is ruach, this same word. And when you see spirit, it is ruach, so it's actually the same. And the translators have decided when they're going to make it wind and when they're going to make it spirit. But in the Hebrew, if you read it in the Hebrew, it would be the same word. So we could read the wind of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we perhaps imagine, you know, the waters ruffle, the little breeze going across them in the beginning as God sort of decided what he was going to do. And let's just think of this for a moment as like God's breath upon, upon the earth as he, he starts to create things. And here it is in verse 2 of the Bible. Go to chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Uh, This word breath here is not the same word as spirit or or wind in the Old Testament. It's uh, nishima or nish. Nishama in the Hebrew, and it just means breath. And it could be used in another place. It's actually translated as inspiration. So God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath, meaning breath, of life, and man became a living soul. So God actually, in here in chapter 2, creates a soul in man. In chapter 1, we know that he created men and women and um, started populating the earth. But here, in chapter 2, he creates this man who is a living soul and it talks about calling him Adam and putting him in this place, the garden, and so on, and starts to have a relationship with man. But before that can happen, he has to breathe into him the breath of life and he becomes a living soul. And... Go up to Ezekiel, please, chapter 37. I was just reading this on Sunday in a different context, looking at national promises. But here in this chapter, famous chapter of the, of the dry bones, it's a vision of uh, dry bones coming together, bone upon bone. And... Uh, Perhaps uh, we'll read a few verses from verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. So we, we can tell straight away it's a vision. And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And here we know that that Adam back there in Genesis chapter 2 had the breath breathed into him already 
and the man became a living soul. But here is a prophecy many, many years later, um, over 2,000 years later, where God is saying, prophesying of a people that are just like dread, dead, dry, dusty bones and are going to need to be breathed into again. And, of course, it's a, it's a vision. It's a prophecy. It's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's a very vivid passage. Uh, the imagery here in verse 6, I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin. I mean, in Ezekiel's day, they had skin. They had bones. You know, he's talking about something else, isn't he? I'll put breath in you and you shall live and shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I behold, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and the, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. And here we have the wind. Prophesy, son of man, Ruach again in the Hebrew, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Uh, verse 11, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. And this is what we're reading on Sunday about the national promise to Israel, the nation which at this time had been deported some 130, 140 years previously by the Assyrians, never to return to their promised land. And they're still scattered, the, the ten, those ten tribes of Israel. And so he's talking about them and, and offering them a, a national promise here, the house of Israel, that there's going to be a, a restitution. But there's also another prophecy mixed in with it. And we'll read on verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And he talks about here of a prophecy of the Holy Spirit coming, and coming enlivening people. And it's mixed in with the, with these national promises as well. But, of course, we know that uh, as we follow it on, we see this fulfilled in the New Testament as uh, people are filled with the Holy Spirit and there's a new covenant created. And everywhere we go, there's this breath, there's this wind, there's this Spirit of God where it's the same thing, you know, spirit, wind, same, and breathing and filling and making alive. Um, John chapter 3 in the New Testament now. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? A rhetorical question. He knew the answer to that. Of course not. 
verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. It's an old-fashioned word meaning where it wants to or where it wills. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And here we see the word wind again. As Jesus is talking about the Spirit, being born of the Spirit, and being born again, being born from above, which is another translation of verse uh, 3, born again, born from above. He says he's talking about the wind, and that word there, wind, is the Greek word pneuma, which is translated in every other instance in the New Testament as uh, spirit with a capital S or spirit with a small s, um, and in this once, on this one occasion, as wind. And the translators decided that that was the intention here, that it's talking, it's, it means spirit, but it also means wind, and it blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound of it, or the voice of it in the Greek, phono, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit, has this sound and this wind blowing, as it was. We start to cast our mind back and think about this breath, blowing into people. And um, I forgot to mention that in the, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel there we were reading, the noun there um, is neshama, meaning puff, to puff, like exhale quickly or um, a blast of air. And uh, talking about breathing onto man and breathing the spirit into him and so on. And here... We have much the same idea that this the spirit blows or puffs and you hear the sound and everyone that's born of the spirit has this same sound. So we start to see this pattern and this theme running through from verse 2 of the Bible. The, the wind spirit moving on the face of the waters. Waters in, in the Bible is often, well I won't go there, but actually in Revelation talks about it means the peoples of the world. But um, we know that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, there weren't any peoples as yet, but just a, another little thought. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus speaking just before his ascension. He's risen from the dead after three days in the ground, and he's, he's been seen for 40 days by many infallible proofs, it says. Been seen by 500 people at once. Uh, many witnesses who lived for, for 20 years, as Paul says, and are still with us, who saw these things, that Jesus was, was amongst the disciples for 40 days. And just before he ascends to heaven, he tells them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which he told them about. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in a few days' time. And uh, they see him ascend into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And then a few days later... In chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Cloven just meaning distributed or divided, tongues of fire. And verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And uh, here is the wind, and here is the Holy Spirit, and here is the fire, and that's another topic we could go into, but we'll save that for another time. But they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had just told them about it, the promise, the comforter. Wait here and get it. You've got to have this thing. He said to Peter, when you are converted, you will strengthen the brethren. He's talking about this experience. He's talking about being born again, that wind which comes and you hear the voice of it. And here is the wind. Have you ever sort of wondered why suddenly out of the blue in verse 2, this wind comes rushing into the, into the room? You know, why, why does that even happen? Why doesn't the Lord just fill them with the Holy Spirit and they just start speaking in tongues? I believe it's because he just wanted to link it with all those other instances going right back through the Bible, starting in, in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, breathing in to Adam, the breath of life, making him a living soul, talking in Ezekiel there about the, the dry bones and that they just don't have any life. He has to breathe the spirit into them. And here is that wind spirit again. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak in this miraculous new language, which they'd never done before. And a wonderful story there. And we could read the whole chapter. Peter stands up and says, if you want this, if you want to, to receive this Holy Spirit, in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So he calls them together and says, if you want this, it's very simple. You just need to repent. You need to be baptized in water, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the same way these people have earlier today. And these 120 people who've all spoken in tongues, the voice of the Spirit. And uh, again, this word, when we look it up in the Greek, the, uh, the word, the wind here in verse 2 is the same Greek word as pneuma, slight variation of that word, meaning to blow, a blowing breath, breath of life, or wind. It's a synonym with pneuma and spirit. So again, there's that, that puff of life, as it were. You know, we think back to Genesis chapter 2, breathing into his nostrils. And there's a very curious episode in John chapter 20 we'll turn to, just back a few pages. But Jesus comes to his disciples, so he's risen from the dead. And they're sorrowing and so on. The women see, see him, Peter sees him. They come and tell. They don't believe the first reports and so on. And, um, for example, in verse 18, this is John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he'd spoken these things unto her, and they weren't, weren't believing. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, 
where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's a strange verse, isn't that? It confused many people over the years. Like, did they get the Holy Ghost then when Jesus breathed on them? Um, so we look, we go back to the to the Greek and, and say, well, what's, what is this word? And it is, this one is not pneuma or a variation. It is emphuseo, um, breathed, and it means to puff or to blow at or blow on. So we start to see a bit of a pattern here. And, uh, you know, the, the word, uh, that Greek word is the word from which we get words like emphysemia. Emphuseo, to puff or to blow on. So Jesus went to the trouble to sort of puff or blow on them and say, receive the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying to them is, you need to, to stay as he tells them later, stay here and receive this Holy Spirit. They don't receive it at this point, but you are going to receive it. In a sense, he is physically doing what God did to Adam all that time previously, 4,000 years earlier when he breathed into his nostrils the, the breath of life and he became a living soul. And he says, if you want to become a spiritual soul, to be born again, born from above, as he'd already told them in John chapter 3, you need to do this, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And we've just read just a few pages further on where that happens on the day of Pentecost. The sound of the rushing mighty wind. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. And we just, uh, if we just go up to Acts chapter 10, we'll see another episode where this happens. Peter is preaching to a group of Gentiles, Italians. Uh, man by the name of Cornelius. He's a centurion. And he says at the beginning of the chapter, he's the centurion of the band called the Italian band. And he and some friends uh, have come to Peter to find out about God. And uh, Peter's being prepared in a vision by God for their arrival. And he's preaching to them. And they're receiving it. And they're receptive to what he's saying. And in verse 44... While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed, in other words, the Jews which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, or non-Jews, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So as he's preaching, suddenly they received the Holy Spirit. And how did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So again, there's this Holy Spirit. It doesn't mention the wind particularly or breath in this episode, but we see the same pattern as in Acts chapter 2. And one more in Acts chapter 19. Just before we have a look at that, Emily, you might have a look at that picture number one. 
She's just thinking, you know, there's an old song, the answer is blowing in the wind, right? I don't think that song right realised how true that was. You know, when we, in the opening scripture we looked at, where Paul is talking to the Athenians, he said, um, God made all the world, and he's not worshipped with man's hands, he gives to all life and breath and all things, uh, that they should seek the Lord even though he be not far from every one of us. And here we have a, a picture of Australia from space, and all the cloud, of course, is just being swirled around by that wind. You know, the high-pressure areas, low-pressure areas, moving air around the atmosphere and taking cloud with it, conden condensation and so on, and moving it to different areas. So it's just a sort of very uh, visual aspect of the, of the breath of God, if you like, moving right around this planet. And the next picture... You know, it can get quite violent at times. This is last year, three hurricanes at once uh, approaching, uh, coming through the Caribbean, just going past, uh, the, the one on the left is just about to hit Mexico, the one in the middle is just about to hit uh, Jamaica by the look of it, and Jose out there on the right is sort of still out in the Atlantic somewhere. So, you know, the, um, the winds that are constantly moving around the earth uh, sometimes get concentrated like that and become very violent. Apparently there's one on its way to Florida right now by the name of Michael. Um, but, yeah, the spirit is moving all over the world. We sing a chorus like that, don't we? You know, all over the world, the spirit is moving. It's there, as it said in that opening scripture, he's not far from every one of us. He's all right around the whole world. And all we have to do, in a sense, is open up the scriptures and preach the word, the simplicity of it, you know, you can receive the breath of life, this wind from God breathes into you, and you'll have the Holy Spirit. And we'll just read this last passage in uh, Acts chapter 19, where a group of 12 Ephesians received the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, in verse 1, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So um, they were believers. They'd been baptized by John the Baptist. They'd done that much, uh, which was the baptism of repentance, as it says in the next verse. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So again, it's very simple. Receiving the Holy Spirit, repentance, baptism, receive the Holy Spirit. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.